Welcome to the Jesus Speakers Podcast. You're about to listen to an episode from the second season. I pray that you are blessed by this episode and that God will use it as a means to bring you clarity about his word and the Christian life in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great listen. Hey everyone, um, the Jesus Speakers Podcast is finally back and I really want to appreciate God for that. Um, yeah. The last episode that I put out, um, Shooting Shots Episodes 1 and 2, that was on the 28th of March 2021. Um, it's been 15 months since that day, um, and I have an explanation for that. Um, last year, um, I I forgot about Easter, <laughs> which, was, which was the next week after the last episode, and I planned to release an episode, but I, I just couldn't do it. The week was packed academically. I remember this because my calendar was filled with a schedule of online classes and documentation of reading materials that were released during that period. So I knew it was it was really tight. But I planned to do some social media publicity that week. Um, I remember I couldn't do that as well. And so I decided to just go on an impromptu two weeks. But two weeks became four weeks and four weeks because of the academic stress became six weeks and then something happened weekly episodes also did not look possible and they didn't look possible anymore because of school and other limitations but anyway during that period i was listening to christian podcast to relax and and i don't remember the order of events but i know i listened to a bunch of a, po- a bunch of podcasts and I remember listening to some where some Christian hip hop rappers, you know, would talk and then there was just so much theology in the things they, they said. I was also having some conversations with some, some guys in church, in the church that I attended at that time. And I was, I was just learning so much. So it was like a good use of the podcasting break. And then on the 28th of April, I actually had to check this date to be sure. Um, one of the guys, his name is Favor Olutayo. He texted and asked if I would be in church. He wanted to send me some videos and he sent two videos to me, um, American Gospel. And yo, that rocked my world. That, that was, I mean, um, when I look back now, I see, okay, God has been doing the work in me, but that was, that was a significant, significant point. I watched the documentaries, American Gospel Christ Alone and American Gospel Christ Crucified. And I remember kneeling on my bed. I think it was after the first one, Christ Alone. And fe- I, I remember kneeling on my bed and feeling so betrayed. I remember saying, I have been lied to for the past 22 years of my life. And the subject of that was on matters of the gospel, on, on things about the Christian faith. I do believe and I sincerely believe that I had never really understood the gospel and my eyes were open to so much falsehood because of that documentary. So much falsehood that had been disguised as Christianity really. I watched clips of certain people who, you know, in Nigerian Christian circles are looked up to and I and I listened to them do things I could not believe. I listened to them teach things that I could not believe. Um and then I it was also helpful because with that, um, I watched faithful men of God proclaim the truth of God from scripture and I was so blessed. So because of that, I, I don't know if you watch the American gospel um, documentary, you, you might know what I'm talking about. 
But because of that, I decided I could not keep releasing podcast episodes till I had my footing on the right foundation of God's word. It really broke my heart that I taught error, that I must have taught error. Because I, I, I looked back and I was like, okay, because I, I remember having a conversation with one of my friends and she brought back to mind some of the things that I told her before. And I was so shocked. And I, I said, I asked that, did I actually say these things? And she said, yes. And I began to apologize. <laughs> and, I was, and I was saying, I am so sorry. Those things are wrong. They do not accurately represent God's word and the truth of God. And so I know there, there must have been stuff like that on this podcast. And it truly broke my heart. I, I just couldn't keep podcasting. I, I knew I had to. I had to get my footing right. I need to. I needed to get in the world and know what exactly the Christian faith was. And so I, I have asked God for mercy, and I am publicly repenting of whatever, however unintentional, whatever lies I might have told against God and His Word. I, I am publicly repenting of that, and I am. I I am asking the listeners. So please forgive me. Um, I have, like I said, I have asked God for mercy. And I'm asking that those who, who have listened to the podcast, I know there may have been beneficial stuff there because some, you know, some people still listened after some time and they were like, yeah, there was some good stuff there. But I remember I didn't listen to all my episodes, right? But I, I know I listened to some, some and I was like, you really shouldn't have said that. That's not correct. Um, because maybe, maybe I used the scripture. I'm like, that's not what that scripture is talking about. Um, and so there was, I, I'm really my biggest critic. So honestly, if you like the first season, you might not like this season. Um, and that's not, I'm not saying that to discourage you, but I, I really hope you would enjoy this season. I really, I, I really do pray that you desire above everything else to hear God's word properly divided. I really do pray that you love truth, that you love God's truth. I really do pray that you, you want to be able to recognize error. I really do pray that God will help you and help me um, remain faithful to his word, to the glory of his name alone in Jesus' name. Amen. So yeah, the Jesus Speakers podcast is having a fresh start and I'm going to break that down. This is this is like I said I am my biggest critic and I am very very honest with myself because I know where I was, I know where I am now by the grace of God. Um I'm not where I should be, but praise be to God, I am not where I was once. I would come out and say it, this podcast was man-centered. And now, by the grace of God, it's going to be God-centered. Um, and, and I know people might listen to that, especially previous listeners and me like, um, but yeah, you talked about God. Yes, that that's exactly the problem. There is a way that most professing Christians talk about things of the faith that even though, you know, God is there on the stage, but they are at the center of it all. So, in that period, after watching the American Gospel documentaries, I got to know of Reformed theology. Honestly, that's just a fancy word. Like I like to say, it's just a fancy word for biblical Christianity. <laughs> Many people argue with me, but anyway, I went through something called the cage stage. I was so pumped to finally see God's truth clearly, and that zeal can't be overwhelming can be overwhelming really anyway during that period i really did notice how man-centered christianity for so many people were i i really i just could see it so clearly i, I saw it in the way i lived my life I, I saw it in the way i was taught in church i saw 
I saw it in the sermons that were being preached in churches. I saw it in the conversations people had. And it was, you know, the world revolved around us, which is kind of the idea, you know, people propagate nowadays. And let me use this example. You know, we say things like, the Bible is a 66 love letter written to me. I can't agree with that statement anymore. No, it's not. The Bible is God's revelation of himself to fallen creatures so that they would know him and know him as accurately as he has revealed himself to finite beings. As we cannot comprehend an infinite God. I know I just packed a lot in there. But yeah, that that is the Bible. The Bible is God's revelation to, to men so we can know him. It's not a love letter in that sense because we have this specified jesus this jesus that is our boyfriend and honestly that's not it yes does god love his children um his chosen ones his elect his called out ones does he love them with a special love yes he does is scripture relevant to all men across every time and age yes however when you say the bible is a 66 love letter written to me there is just so much man-centeredness that is filled in that in that and i know some people might push back i'm like yes but i don't mean it that way but honestly take an, an honest look at it and and it would be sad that some of us have have had these lenses put on that this is just how we see everything about christianity you know it has to be about us there is just so much man-centeredness when we say some things especially you know, like I said, there is this increased sissified Jesus, this God that you know is is your boyfriend, and honestly, that is not it. Christ is Lord. Christ is Lord. Yes, He is our Father. Yes, He is Abba. He does love His children with a special love. However, there are some lenses by which we just look at things that are just so wrong. And taking using another example, I'm going to use the episode, the trailer that I had for my first season as another example. So in that trailer, I said, I am a Christian, a child of God, a believer, and a couple of other titles found in the Bible, like a priest, a prince, maybe a king too. Now, of course, there is nothing wrong with identifying, putting that in quotes, with identifying with who the word of God says we are, right? But I, I honestly do know the mindset that that was that was said with it was me 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 and and it's funny how i didn't even really understand the state of every man before god biblically and i'm going to get into that on this episode because we are going to discuss about the gospel because i am a wretched sinner saved solely by the mercy of god to the glory of god alone yes by his grace i uh, you know i am a royal priesthood yes by his grace i am a believer yes by his grace i am a child of god but god takes all the glory but but we we tend to say these things with so much man-centeredness that now it might look like i am pushing but i honestly know where <laughs> i honestly know where i came from and now you know i hear so many things and I, i'm not just comfortable with it anyway let me move on now the podcast was also really experiential experiential um I, let me call it experiential theology it was based on experiential theology and now it's going to have its foundation on biblical theology i made sure that reflected itself in the podcast trailer because again taking some of the words of the the trailer to my first season i said yeah on the jesus speakers podcast will take a tour in my head that necessarily might not be bad right but now <laughs> 
like I said, I, I don't know where I'm coming from. But like I said in the trailer, the primary focus of this podcast is and would be the gospel of Jesus Christ. Coupled with sound biblical theology, you know, it's going to build on the it's going to be built on the foundation of the inspired word of God. The Bible, because that is the sufficient, authoritative, and sole infallible rule of faith, life, and practice, and doctrine. Okay, I know I messed that up. <laughs> I said it properly in the in the trailer. Anyway, so yes, I it was really experience based. Um, and I know. Okay, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. So. I created a video, but I didn't put it out. Maybe it will still have some work to do later on. But the, the idea of the video was to be thought-provoking. And so I highlighted that the podcast will be moving from the prosperity gospel to the real gospel, word of faith doctrine to reform doctrine, from hyper-charismatic to solar scriptura, experiential theology to biblical theology, and maybe... Hopefully, by the grace of God, later in the podcast, I would expound on prosperity gospel, word of faith doctrine, hyper-charismatic. I know I said the word sola scriptura, which basically just means scripture alone. I think that's Latin, yeah, and biblical theology. By the way, theology is simply the study of God. When you talk about what you believe about God or something related, you are getting involved in theology. Of course, it can be way complex than that, but however... Every Christian is is called to grow in the knowledge of God. Therefore, every Christian is a theologian in that sense. And every Christian should have an interest in theology. When we talk about the things of God and we want to go in depth, what, especially about what the scriptures say about those subjects, it is something that every Christian should be really interested in. Okay, yeah, this is what I said I was going to get to. I know the the podcast had this this vibe. You are a Christian, then how do you live that out practically? Which which was really the experience. Why it was really experiential, right? And it was really experience based. But now, and I am hoping to actually still make episodes that would reflect that. You know, how does your 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 faith affect? how we think about certain subjects and i really do hope to get that game i really hope that i'll be able to get into episodes like that but honestly starting now afresh like i said it's a fresh start i really do want to focus on ui christian what is it that you believe that that is going to be it and you know we're going to talk about god we're going to talk about christ we're going to talk about the gospel we're going to talk about the bible you are a christian what exactly is it that you believe because if you do not know the 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 doctrines of the christian faith are constantly under attack and it's it, it looks even worse these days because there are a lot of professing christians who do not who do not have the slightest idea what they believe for real and it is really sad to see so by the grace of God, I would intend to, um, I do plan to take on some some of those episodes here on this podcast, God willing. Now, still speaking on changes and on a fresh start, I will no longer play Christian hip hop. Old listeners would have noticed that I will no longer play Christian hip hop music or CCM music in the background of episodes. And the primary reason for that is copyright laws. I do not have the license to play people's music and that is actually a big deal. So I've taken down all the episodes from my first season because they did have music. It was every single second of the podcast had someone's music playing on there. 
so I, i've taken all the episodes down but also like i said at the beginning i t- I'm, i took them down for theological reasons because i i do not want to i cannot with boldness really put all the things that i said out there i know you know as we do mature we should be able to feel that and so you should be able to you you should get to the stage where you can listen to people and then pick out the good stuff okay ignore the stuff that eh, it doesn't make sense and but honestly there might not be a lot of people who, know, who can do that and so you know they they might just take your word for it and i know that influence can be there and so that's why i'm I took down all those episodes. If I can reproduce the episodes without the music, I might do that and maybe upload them on a Google Drive folder. And then maybe I'm going to do a season one review one time. I pray God helps me with that. Maybe I would do that and I would just recap the episodes and point out the good stuff and some of the stuff where I might have made errors and stuff like that. Um, also, I... This is personal preference, but I recently discovered that I prefer podcasts and podcast episodes that do not have any music playing in the background. I actually, I found, I, start, I began to find it very distracting. I remember someone telling me that then, but I didn't really take it serious. But lately, I have started to find them distracting. But anyway, this will still be this will still be Jesus speakers um, because Jesus stuff will be coming out of your speakers. Was that cringe? Anyway, yes, this is still the Jesus Speakers podcast. And I want to give a big shout out to my man, my brother, Ajibola Olani. When he saw my struggle with, you know, music and stuff, he produced by himself, um, <laughs> he produced a, what will I call it? A theme music for the podcast, I guess. And so it's something that I can use for my intro, for my outro, if I want to run ads within the podcast. I have that and I don't have to bother about licensing and all of that. So thank you so much, man. God bless you. I also have some people that are officially part of the Jesus Speakers team. They help me with reviews on some of the stuff that I'll be putting out. They help me with content as well. They look at the things I've done. Okay, is this good enough? What can you do to make this better? So yes, they are part of the Jesus Speakers team team i don't have anyone who is joining me on the podcast yet but um it's still solo for now still a one-man host but yes more changes um the jesus speakers podcast is now on social media i will no longer be using my personal accounts primarily and so please follow and engage on twitter instagram facebook linkedin and telegram at jesus speakers podcast instagram facebook linkedin and telegram while on twitter it's jesus speakers underscore so i I would be putting stuff out there so please likes shares retweets reactions comments and all of that they would be really encouraging and telegram is the place where if you any stuff i'm putting out if you want to say put them on your whatsapp status once you're on the telegram channel you would you'll be able to get all those things there you get the captions you get the designs you get the videos you, you get the links and all of that so anyway i intend to do a, a bunch of stuff with the social media accounts pages channel group i tend to do a lot of stuff more than just tell you when ep- new episodes are out i intend to ask questions post trivias intend to do something called theology bank i intend to give you recommendations on different stuff it could be music it could be other stuff i intend to make announcements take polls or special events even 
I know I mean I could do live events and stuff and maybe quick response videos or some street videos I intend to I, I do have plans for stuff like that I pray God will help me so finally for this segment I think you might have noticed that already because I don't know how long I've been speaking for but yes now I'm going to be having longer episodes but I'm just going to have one episode per month okay some some months might have two episodes that would be special that would not be normal but yes um last year like i said at the beginning i realized that i couldn't sustain weekly episodes and i still would not be able to sustain that especially when school is in session so right now the plan is to work on monthly episodes but then there will be long episodes you know it keeps you loaded for the month i guess so the frequency of the podcast is also going to affect my email notifications because now i wouldn't send out an email every time an episode is out i have the social media accounts to do that but i would at the beginning of every month i would a newsletter would go out if you are subscribed to the email notifications you would get that if not please look up the link in the podcast description and navigate to where you you will see something about email updates and so just click that and register and do all the stuff you need to do and most importantly check your emails whenever the emails do come in and now i am moving to the main part of this episode this is i mean you could have skipped the past 20 minutes or so but you do have this is i don't think you should skip this part um because this is vitally important um, like I said, I don't think I've listened to all my episodes in recent times, but I honestly do not believe that I ever articulated the gospel. And this was supposed to be a Christian podcast, right? And honestly, when I think about that, because I thought about that for, for a while, I never articulated the gospel on this podcast and it bothered me. And the, the reason for that was probably because I, I didn't really get it. Probably because I really didn't understand it. If you met me on the streets and you asked me, you know, someone, let's say, was struggling with faith and stuff or was trying to learn about Christian doctrine and said, oh, I've looked up online and I've seen that Christianity is big on this thing called justification. Can you explain it to me? I honestly wouldn't have been able to say a word about that. It was not something that mattered to me. Honestly, I know, you know, everybody's crazy about the Jesus stuff and posting Jesus on social media nowadays, you know. Everybody's loud for their faith, carrying Jesus on their head. But I honestly, justification, something that is very crucial to the Christian faith, I honestly did not know what that was. Hopefully, by the grace of God, I'm going to fix that on this season. And so, I'm going to get into the gospel. The gospel. We all need the gospel and we need it every single day. The believer, the unbeliever, we all are in desperate need of the gospel. And now, big question what is the gospel go ahead post the episode right think of that for a bit what is the gospel think of an answer to that question i hope you can still hear me <laughs> anyway i'm just being dramatic hoping that you actually remember to press the play button but yeah what is the gospel so last month um this episode was supposed to be recorded and released in may but Anyway, thank God that we're finally doing this. So last month, I asked that question on social media. A few people are aware that I am currently active on social media. So I asked that question and I got three responses on 
twitter and two responses on telegram i'm going to leave them anonymous so i'll be reading the responses so the first response on twitter the gospel belongs to god it is authored by god it is owned by god it is a good announcement concerning the person who he is and walk what he has done of jesus christ that is a very solid response the gospel is the good news this is another response and this good news is that jesus is our savior in that he died was buried and resurrected that we might have life eternal the third response the gospel is all about the grace of god towards wretched men being displayed in the person and work of jesus christ that is crucifixion death and resurrection resulting in salvation for those who believe those were solid responses on telegram I have two responses and one is extremely long <laughs> but i'll read the first one the gospel is the supernatural news of god about the redemption we receive through the death and resurrection of jesus christ the gospel is the best news about our death to the flesh and new life in yeshua the anointed that is christ now i'm going to read the second response i don't know how long this is going to take me because this was extensive the gospel is the good news of God concerning Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. How that being God himself, he became man and lived a perfect, sinless life here on earth. And afterward, he bore the, sin, he bore the many sins of his people and consequent wrath of God that was upon them and offered himself on the cross as a propitiation for their sins, completely satisfying the righteous judgment of god and reconciling sinful man to god that was one sentence <laughs> and honestly this person has given away the details of this episode because i i do intend to go into all of those details while expounding on what the gospel is by the way that was just one sentence right it has not finished this jesus also rose from the dead and is seated on the right hand of god having overcome death and the grave and he is able to save his people to the uttermost. The gospel is the good news of how even the vilest offender who truly believes in Jesus Christ receives forgiveness of sins, redemption through his blood, and has the righteousness of Christ imputed on him because of Jesus' perfect sacrifice on the cross. He became a new man in Christ, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, and ordained true sanctification unto good works. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation and the means of grace through God has ordained that his people scattered all over should be drawn into his flock. I mean, that was that was extensive and good. Now, moving to the episode, I am so thankful for those responses. Those were really thoughtful, in-depth, and I then say accurate responses of the gospel, of what the gospel is. And I do believe, you know, for example, on Twitter, because of the character limits, you know, everyone just tried to put that in one tweet. Okay, in one tweet, how can I present the gospel? And I do believe when people have the opportunity for one-on-one -on -one conversations, the conversation is definitely going to be way more in-depth because there, there is so much, there is so much riches, so much rich truth in, in the gospel, in the message of the gospel. Now, the word gospel in itself is, in the Greek text of scripture, is translated eongelion. I really do hope I'm pronouncing that right. It is a good message. It is 
good tidings of the kingdom of God. Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. It is good tidings of the kingdom of God of salvation through Christ Jesus. Romans 1 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, that is the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. His words, his deeds, his works, that is the gospel, his works in his birth, life, death crucifixion resurrection and ascension all of those encompass the gospel it is the proclamation of the grace of god manifest and pledged in christ i did read from romans 1 16 to 17 um i want you to please note that on this podcast um except i say otherwise all scripture that i'm going to read is going to be from the NASB 1995, that is the 1995 edition of the New American Standard Bible. By the grace of God, I hope to do an episode on the doctrines of scripture and I should talk about trans- Bible translations on that episode. Um. Anyway, so that that is the gospel, which I'm still going to, we are still going to go into depth. We are going to look at scripture to really see this message of God. But it's very important to know that, note that the gospel is not your personal testimony. The gospel is not the experience you are that led you to Christ. That is not the gospel. The gospel is not signs and wonders. Oh, this one. The gospel is not signs and wonders. We really need to know that. The gospel is not spiritual gifts. The gospel is not the gift of tongues. The gospel is not prophecy. The gospel that is not the gospel. The gospel is not your right. It is absolutely you do not deserve it. It is not your right. The gospel and it's sad that we have I have to say this one, but the gospel is not church programs. That is not the gospel. It's not, you know, the gimmicks and the tactics and, and the entertainment. That is not the gospel. The gospel is the art of the Christian message. When you take the gospel out of Christianity, you might as well have another monotheistic religion. What I mean by that is a religion that believes in one god you know so the monotheistic religions are islam judaism and christianity because once you take the gospel out you don't you don't have christianity anymore really the gospel is the art of the christian message and and most importantly the gospel is not yours to sweeten adjust tweak or make attractive it is the gospel of god it is god's gospel and by the time i'm concluding I would, I would point us from scripture the importance of not messing with that. It is God's gospel. Now, to go into more details, for example, why do we have need of this good news of salvation? I do want to give a short answer, something that will fit, in, fit into one tweet, and then I will give a long answer. The whole purpose of the episode. Hopefully, I, I cover as many bases as possible, um, but I want you to note that this cannot in any way be exhaustive. Um, when I was scripting the episode, my my original draft which is very similar to the final one my original draft was 19 pages for the entire episode though but the, this gospel ch- section had the most of it and the reason for that is it was filled with a lot of bible passages and i know i would not exhaust every bible passage on on the subject and so i this is not exhaustive but hopefully by the grace of god i do cover as many bases as possible so for my short answer there is a triune god who made all things 
All men are falling short of his righteous and holy standard. He is just and man will be punished for his sins. Christ came to save his people and he did that. The Holy Spirit draws these people, saves them and keeps them till the end. That is my short answer and I did type it. It did fit into one tweet which I put out a few days ago. But now getting into the long answer, it all starts with a knowledge of God. It all starts with a knowledge, and and not just a knowledge of God, a true knowledge of God. And we derive this from what we call special revelation, which is the Bible, scripture, which was and which is, not in an ongoing sense, but the Bible is divinely inspired by God. It is of God. It is God-breathed. Not all things pertaining to God is revealed to us. We know that because of passages like Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever that we might observe all the words of his law. So not all things pertaining to God are revealed for us in scripture. But he has spoken in his word all that we need. Remember what the tagline, the Bible is authoritative and sole infallible rule of life and doctrine of faith and practice. The Bible is what you need. He has spoken through his word. Hebrews 1, 1 to 2. God, after I spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the word. And we know that all of scripture testify about Christ, the Son of God. So there is a God, and you know the funny thing? No one, okay, not really funny, but you know the truth? No one has an excuse to deny his existence because he has made himself known in nature, what we call natural revelation, and he has made himself known. And because of this, no one has an excuse. Now, I know you're probably, you know, some people might be listening to this and they are thinking of objections. Well, what if someone's not brought in a Christian home? What if someone is not in a civilized society? How can we say that he has no excuse? But we know that because God's word has said that. And in Psalm 19 verse 1 to 6, especially in verses 1 to 4, the heavens are are telling of the glory of God and their expanse declaring the works of his hands. Days to days, pour forth speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. There is, when when you see from day to day, those things are saying something. Even though, you know, it's not audible speech. That's what verse 3 is saying. There is no speech, neither are there words. Their voice is not heard. But their lines have gone throughout all the earth and their utterance throughout the world. You don't hear the sun in the morning saying, good morning creatures of the most high god right <laughs> i mean that that would have been nice but you don't hear the son say that but the works that god has done the, his works in nature the heavens all these things are telling of the glory of god romans 1 18 to 23 for the wrath of god is revealed wrath of god <laughs> for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness now this is the key part verse 19 because that which is known about god is evident within them for god made it evident to them for since the creation of the world is invisible attributes its eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen this is the testimony of scripture 
being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse and then verses 21 to 23 you know say that but you know they did not honor god or give him thanks they became futile in their thinking their foolish hearts were darkened professing to be wise they became fools they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible god for the image you do wake up in the morning and, and you look at the trees and, and oh recently i've been seeing some images on twitter some images of stuff in space and when you look at the planet or when you even look at pictures of of nature here on earth and someone called god the best sky painter right and, and when you look at all of those things what the word is saying is that those things tell of the glory of god and what you are supposed to think when you see those things is wow there is a god there is something beyond me but we suppress that knowledge and even though we suppress it it is still not an excuse there is a god no one has an excuse to deny his existence because he has made himself known now for more in-depth knowledge about this god because i said it all starts with the true knowledge of god god has revealed himself in his divinely inspired holy scripture and i'm talking about the bible that is the inspired word of god and he has revealed himself as triune what is known as the doctrine of the trinity that there is one god deuteronomy 6 4 there is one god existing eternally in, in three co-equal but distinct persons the father the son and the holy spirit and there are a plethora of verses to go for that you can read matthew 28 19 2 corinthians 13 verse 14 but it is important to note i, I used a term earlier monotheistic christianity is monotheistic there is one god who is triune existing in three co-equal co-eternal but distinct persons we are not saying there is three gods that is that is not that's polytheism that is not christianity but there is one god and and you know it sounds crazy right i mean <laughs> but remember i said that the bible is god's revelation to fallen men to finite men um fallen and finite men about an infinite god god is I'm sorry infinite god god is beyond our comprehension we cannot grasp all that it is to know about him but he has revealed some things that we can apprehend and we can say okay god has revealed this about himself um and and we owe those truths there so in scripture he has revealed himself as one god existing in three co-equal and co-eternal but distinct persons the father the son and the holy spirit matthew 28 verse 19 we love to use this verse to make that case go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name singular of the father and the son and the holy spirit second corinthians 13 14 the grace of the lord jesus christ the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all deuteronomy 6 4 yeah o israel the lord is our god yahweh is our god the lord is one the father is god the son is god and the spirit is god yet there are not three gods but one god the father is not the son the father is not the spirit the son is not the father the son is not the spirit the spirit is not the son the spirit is not the father these three are the same in substance nature and essence they are co-equal and they are co-eternal that is the doctrine of the trinity so yes there is a god he has revealed himself as trying and and that is very very important to 
our discussion on on theological matters it is it is very important because salvation is trinitarian all the persons of god are involved in the work of salvation the father was not the one who came on to earth to die the father is not the one who is applying this work of redemption to the hearts of men no that is the work of the spirit the son is the one who came to die and so and it's not that god is switching modes that is an heresy called modalism some people say god the father right and then when he entered into creation he switched and became god the son and after the resurrection he switched and became god the holy spirit that is not what the bible teaches so this god he created and owns all things and is sovereign over all working all things for his pleasure and according to his will that was packed and believe me there are a lot of bible passages packed with it as well he created all things genesis 1 1 in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth isaiah 48 12 to 13 listen to me O jacob even israel who i have called i am he i am the first i am also the last surely my hand founded the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens when i call to them they stand together God created all things. And because he created all things, he owns all things. Colossians 1, 16, 17. For by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. is before all things and in him all things are held together. Deuteronomy 10, 14 to 15. Behold, to Yahweh your God, to the Lord. Sorry, I, I really love reading yahweh in the text even though that's not what the nasb renders but behold to the lord your god belong heaven and the highest heavens and earth and all that is in it yet your on your fathers did the lord set his affection to love them and he chose their descendants after them even you above all is all peoples as it is to this day and another thing to note as he created all things he owns all things he is sovereign over all things he is sovereign over all things isaiah 43 verses 8 to 13 i think these passages are called the trial of the false gods and when he gets to verse 10 the end of it says before me there was no god formed and there will be none after me i even i am the lord i am yahweh and there is no savior besides me it is i who has declared and saved and proclaimed and there was no strange god among you so you are my witness declares the lord i am god even from eternity i am he and there is none who can deliver out of my hand i act and who can reverse it god is sovereign psalm 103 verse 19 the lord yahweh has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all first timothy 6 14 to 16 that you keep the commandments without stain or reproach unto the appearing of our lord jesus christ which he will bring about at the proper time he who is the blessed and only sovereign the king of kings and the lord of lord of lords who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see to him be honor and eternal dominion amen so god is sovereign he has created all things he owns all things and he is sovereign and he is working all things according to his pleasure and according to his will isaiah 46 verses 8 to 11 remember this and be assured recall it 
to your mind your transgressions remember the formatting's long past for i am god and there is no other i am god there is no one like me declaring the end from the beginning and the ancient times things which have not been done saying my purpose will be established and i will accomplish all my good pleasure calling a bed of prey from the east the man of my purpose from a far country truly i have spoken truly i will bring it to pass i have planned it surely i will do god is sovereign and that is really important especially when we discuss the subject of salvation because if he's not sovereign how can he save people he's sovereign verse 11 tells us that even over the birds he's sovereign even over men he's sovereign he speaks and it comes to pass daniel 4 34 to 35 this is nebuchadnezzar when his sanity was returned to him and he declared this is a pagan king declaring about the most high god he raised his eyes towards heaven and when his reason was returned to him he blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing but he does according to his will in the host of heavens and among the inhabitants of earth and no one can ward off his hand or say to him what have you done that is how sovereign our god is he's working all things according to his counsel and no one can tell him what is it that you have done god I, I think there is this growing notion where people do want to question god but this is what scripture says who all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing who can say to him what have you done revelation 4 11 worthy are you O lord our god to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of your will they existed and they were created all that exists all that has been created is because of the will of god because god in his good pleasure has decided to will all these things for his glory that is why anything exists now this god who is sovereign over all is a righteous god psalm 147 verse 15 the lord yahweh is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds this righteous god has created man in his image and it was good it is it is very important to note that when god created man it was good it was something good that god did because people tend to ask questions like why did god create man if he knew the fall was going to happen and and those questions are really attacking the character of god the point is why would god do such evil but we see from scripture that god created man and that was a good thing to do because he is a righteous god a god who always does right man is created in the image of god genesis 1 26 to 27 god created man in his image in image god created him male and female he created them genesis 1 verse 36 god saw on after the sixth day god saw all that he had made and behold it was very good and evening and there was morning the sixth day now we we know that god created man there is a god triune sovereign over all creator of all things and he is righteous he created the world and he created man in his image which was a good thing now man fell and all of mankind with him this is where the bad news really sets in because you know we ask the question what is the need for a good news and this is the reason it's not be it's not to make your life better let me qualify that it's not to to give you all the goodies of life that's that's not the plan of salvation there, there is something much more at stake man fell that is adam adam 
the man God created in the garden, Adam and Eve, they fell, they sinned against a righteous and holy God. We see that account in Genesis 3. And all of mankind fell with him. And we know this from scripture. It, it's what's called federal airship where all of mankind was represented in adam and we know that because of passages like first corinthians 15 21 to 22 and romans 5 12 18 to 19 and romans 3 23 just quickly read those first corinthians for since by a man came death by a man also came the resurrection of the dead for as in adam all die so also in christ all will be made alive romans 5 12 just as through one man sin entered into the world death and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned romans 5 18 to 19 so then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of one, the many will be made righteous. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it is important to know the state of man. That when Adam fell, when he sinned against God, Genesis 3, all of creation, all of mankind, was represented in him and they fell in him this is this is what is referred to as the doctrine of original sin that's why you know the psalmist in psalm 55 verse 1 said for i was behold i was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me the psalmist is not saying his mom had fornication that's not what the psalmist says the psalmist is not saying he was born out of a sinful act that that is not the idea that we are born sinners romans 3 for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god just as in true one man sin entered the world so also death spread to all men because all have sinned in adam all die um true one's transgression there resulted condemnation to all men so we are all born sinners that is the that is the ugly truth we are all born sinners Ephesians 2 verse 1 says we are dead in our sins and that is the state of every man. Every man, the doctrine of original sin, no man is, is you know, born neutral and, you know, it's up to you. You are born in sin and you are born in rebellion against a righteous and a holy God. Now, I just, I've said that a bunch of times, but God is holy. Revelations 4.3, you know, the, the angels in heaven are singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is holy and he hates sin. And he will punish all those who will go against his law. Psalm 5 verse 4 to 6, You are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells in you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood the lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit god hates sin the lord is slow to anger yahweh is slow to anger and great in power the lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished because he is a holy god think about it that is the right thing to do he cannot tolerate sin and we have sinned therefore there must be punishment that is the right thing to do because he's only set apart from all of creation distinct from us but also pure in its pure we cannot even imagine the holiness of god because of that he has to punish sin he cannot just let it slide that would be unholy just imagine someone kills your brother hopefully not but just imagine something 
some someone does something so terrible to you and the case is taken before a judge and then the judge says well um let's let's let him go it's not really a big deal everyone will be so outraged because the person has has done something that is so wrong so also our sin against a righteous and a holy god cannot go unpunished and he is going to punish everyone who goes against his righteous standard because all are falling short of his glory all of mankind is guilty and all of us are under the wrath of god we are under the wrath of god Romans 3 verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? This is Paul speaking to the Jews. Are we better than they? No, not at all. For we have already been charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. Romans 5.16. The gift is not, this is talking about the gift of salvation. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from the transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose for many transgressions, resulting in condemnation. We'll get to the free gift really soon. But, but we really need to take a look at the bad news that we are all falling and we are all falling. It's, it's very important to note all. All of mankind is guilty and we are under the wrath of God. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. And you were dead in your sins and trespasses in which you speaking to christians who you know about their former state in which you previously walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh indulging in the desires of our flesh and of the mind and we were by nature children of wrath even as the rest so this is the state of all man working according to the course of this world working according to the prince of the power of the air working according to the spirit of disobedience we ourselves being sons of disobedience walking according to the loss of our flesh indulging in the desires of our flesh and of our mind by nature children of wrath by nature all have seen that in iniquity my mother conceived me we are by nature all condemned and under the wrath of god and one day there would be a judgment there will be a judgment and no one is going to escape it second peter 2 verses 4 to 9 Peter is writing to the church and telling them, if God did not spare the angels but cast them into hell, and if he did this even in the time of Noah, and if he did this even to Sodom and Gomorrah, it goes to in verse 9. Then the Lord, who knows how to rescue the godly from temptation, knows also how to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. There is a, a day of judgment. No one will escape it. Romans 2, 1 to 11. By the way, you can really, you know, if you do have the time, Pause the podcast when the scriptures have been read and really go through them yourself to read because I try to be moving fast even though I know that I'm still going to spend some time. Romans 2 verse 1 to 11. Therefore, you have no excuse. You are without an apologetic. You are without a defense. Going on to verse 5. It says, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds. Verse 8. But to those who are selflessly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation, there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jews first, also of the Gentiles. Verse 11 ends it. By the way, like I said, please take time to read the passages. But verse 11 says, For there is no partiality with God. 
all of mankind is guilty there will be a judgment no one is going to escape it because why no one has an excuse now we know that whatever the law says speaks to all those who are under the law this is romans 3 19 to 20 because by the works of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight for through the law comes the knowledge of sin okay sorry verse 19 i didn't read the end so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to god no one has an excuse against the righteous condemnation of god this is the reason because everyone is subjected to obeying the law of god and we are to obey it perfectly and we cannot do that so we are subject to the condemnation of god romans 2 12 to 14 talks about that righteous condemnation that we are all under you know our our conscience bears us witness verse 15 that even the gentiles who, who do not know the law of god right you know maybe they've not even they've not come across the bible but their conscience does bear them witness and their conscience is going to be a judge so god has given us the conscience and everyone knows when they do wrong when a small child steals the child knows that what he has done is wrong and he eyes the thing he has stolen because there is that conscience that god has put in everyone and that conscience does judge us and so we are under a righteous condemnation no one has an excuse we are all subject to obeying the law of god no one is outside the scope the god who is sovereign over the heavens and the earth has a standard and everyone is required to meet that standard acts 17 24 to 27 second thessalonians 1 to 7 everyone is supposed to keep that standard perfectly james 2 verse 10 to 11 you know whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all for he who said do not commit adultery and also said do not commit murder he's saying god who said don't do this is the one who also said don't do that now if you commit adultery but do not commit murder you have become a transgressor of the law and we know that no one can keep the law of God perfectly. Romans 8, 6 to 8. Because we know our natural state. We saw that from Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. We are, we are being ruled by the flesh. Subjecting ourselves to the desire of the flesh. And we know that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That is Romans 8, verse 8. And this is extremely bad news. It is extremely, extremely bad news. We really do have to get into the detail of the bad news. So that we do understand the good news of salvation. Arsis Pro said, The human dilemma is this God is holy and we are not. God is righteous and we are not. And so, the only source of comfort for anyone is in these two words, but God. But God. That, that's drawn from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. By the grace of God, I was privileged to lead a couple of brothers and sisters in a six week study on Ephesians chapter 2. And we really emphasized that, but God, those words, but God, that is our only source of comfort. That God is gracious and God is merciful. Psalm 116 verse 5, Psalm 145 verse 8. And he has given us good news. And you know the the good thing about the good news. God was not making it up, you know, as time passed. And, you know, he wasn't concocting it for 4,000 years and saying, okay, no, Right from the time of the fall in Genesis 3, he gave us this good news. What is known as the first gospel, Genesis 3.15, when, when he speaks and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking of the serpent, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. This is what is known as the first gospel, God's pronouncement even 
right from creation that there is going to be salvation it's going to bruise you on the head which is christ's victory over satan on the cross and you bruise him on the heel referring to the suffering that christ was going to go through um by the hands of men so yes god is gracious but god that is our only source of comfort is gracious and is merciful he gave us good news is good news it is god's gospel again we have to remember that it is god's gospel he provided a solution to our mess and is working out his plan of salvation according to the kind intention of his will and for his glory he provided a solution we see that in acts 2 23 to 24 when peter in his sermon and saying this man delivered over by the predestined plan and foreknowledge of god the cross wasn't a mistake right the cross wasn't devil having his way and god deciding to make the best of the situation peter says it was the predestined plan and foreknowledge of god this man was nailed to the cross by godless men but god raised him up so god provided the solution to our mess and is working out his plan of salvation because salvation belongs to the lord psalm 3 verse 8 first thessalonians 5 verse 9 for god has not destined us for wrath but for obtaining salvation through our lord jesus christ and so all of god's children all of god's elect one god is working out this is plan of salvation in them according to the kind intention of his will it is not because of anything in us because we are all dead in our sin we are we cannot please god we are totally undesirable to god but because this is god's plan because this is God's intention, because it's according to his will, and because it is for his glory, he is working out his plan of salvation in men. Second Thessalonians 2, 13-15. Ephesians 1 verse 5, he predestined us to adopt, still that same word, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. That's Ephesians 1 verses 5 to 6. It is according to the kind intention of God's will and for the glory of God's name. God promised us a savior, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. He promised us a savior born of a virgin. People would even allude to that passage in Genesis 3.15 where it says, and our seed, referring to people would say, you know that was a subtle hint at the virgin birth since god did not say it was the seed of the man as by the way um but god God did promise a savior born of a virgin matthew 11 verse 2 to 6 when when john sent and asked questions are you the one are you the expected one or we should look for someone else and and jesus says tell him this the blind receive their sight you know quoting isaiah 35 verse 5 the lame walk the the lepers are cleansed the deaf hear, the dead are raised up the poor have the gospel pray to them quoting isaiah 61 verse 1 and blessed is he who does not take offense so this is god's promise being fulfilled again it is important to remember that god is sovereign because if he is not sovereign how can he predestine things to happen how can he before the foundation of the world plan that things will happen exactly how they would happen it is because god is sovereign so he promised a savior born of a virgin matthew 1 18 to 23 speaking of the virgin birth and and you see in verse 22 he said now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the lord through the prophet behold a virgin shall bear with a child and bear so this was years before in isaiah 7 verse 14 where the virgin birth was being prophesied about that a virgin was going to bear a son who was going to deliver israel the messiah 
that savior born of a woman by the holy spirit was is the second person in the godhead the trinity the son fully god and fully man what 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 is referred to as the hypostatic union jesus is was and is fully god and fully man colossians 1 19 for it was the father's good pleasure for all all the fullness to dwell in him all the fullness of god to dwell in him and we also know that he was fully man because galatians 3 verse 16 tells us that he is the seed of abraham and so we do know that he was fully god fully man romans also calls him the descendant of david the son of david and so we know that he was fully man but also at the same time it was fully god the apostatic union god in the flesh what is known as the doctrine of the incarnation that god entered into his creation in human flesh we know that from john 1 verses 1 to 2 and verse 14 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god it was in the beginning with god verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory glory as only begotten from the father full of grace and truth and it's very important to know this that that god the second person in the trinity the son did come in the flesh that is actually a very important doctrine because there are, there are people who have you know espoused different heresies across the times and the ages and have said that jesus was not really a man different beliefs have, have come up to deny the humanity of jesus but second john 1 to 7 for many deceivers have gone into the world those who do not acknowledge jesus christ as coming into the flesh so it is important remember i said it all starts with the true knowledge of god and so we do need to derive our knowledge of these things from scripture and in all its truth that jesus christ has come in the flesh because there are people who will tell you otherwise there are people who would say that christ was not really a man but he really was a man so god entered into his creation he walked among sinful men he fulfilled prophecies concerning himself he lived a life of complete what is also known as active obedience he lived a life of complete obedience to the law of god because remember we established that no man can do that and we said that yes god is um, that jesus is fully man but he is also fully god and so he accomplished he lived a life of perfect obedience to the law of God because only God can do that and he is God. And he offered his body freely as the last Adam representing his people while they were yet sinners. Out of his love for them on the cross of Calvary in his passive obedience. I talked about active obedience. Now I'm talking about passive obedience and I would expound on all these things. In his passive obedience as he suffered for the sins of his sheep taking their punishment by satisfying God's wrath on their behalf once and for all and giving them life, eternal life. Imputing his righteousness in them as their sins were imputed to him was we know as double imputation. I will go into details on all this and we will no longer remember their sins. So he imputes his righteousness into them because their sins were imputed to him on the cross. He will no longer remember their sins. Then he rose from the grave, just as he said he would, thereby guaranteeing resurrection unto life for all those who believe in his name, giving them freedom from condemnation, peace with God, adoption as sons, access to the Father, justification by God, on the basis of the gift of faith alone. And it is a gift, not of works, because it is of grace, and salvation is all of God's work.
now i know that was very very long and i'm going to break it down so god entered into creation galatians 4 4 but when the fullness of time came god it, it wasn't that christ couldn't have come 2000 years before you know any amount of time before but according to god's timing remember it is all god's plan but when the fullness of time came god sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law according to god's timing philippians 2 verse 5 to 7 having this attitude in ourselves which also in christ jesus who although he existed in the form of god did not regard regard equality with god a thing to be grasped but emptied himself taking the form of a born servant and being made in the likeness of men god entered into his creation i I don't think we we understand how marvelous that is the creator of heaven and earth the sovereign one entered into his creation and walked among sinful men fulfilling the prophecies amongst themselves the gospels testify to that and even again peter speaking after the event of the pentecost in acts acts 2 22 said men of israel listen to these words jesus the nazarene a man attested to you by god with miracles and wonders and signs which god performed through him in your midst just as you know yourselves so christ did fulfill all the things that were written about himself there is extensive accounts of this maybe not okay extensive as was revealed by God in the Gospels, because we know that not all those things were documented. And this God, Christ, lived a life of complete obedience, active obedience. John 8 verse 29, He who sent me is with me, has not left me, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He always does the things that are pleasing to God. Peter testifying of of Christ says, In him he committed no sin, there was no deceit found in his mouth. 1 Peter 2 verse 21 to 22, Hebrews 4 verse 14 to 15, the writer of Hebrews, talking about Christ says, For we have an high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. He lived a life free of sin to the law of God, perfectly obeyed it, popularly termed as his active obedience. We know that he lived perfectly according to the law of God. Acts 3 verse 13 to 14. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned. said, But you disowned the holy and righteous one. And this is not something that can be said of any man. Because only God can do that. Romans 3 verse 9 to 10 tells us, What then? Are we better than they? Speaking to the Jews, I I read this before, not at all. For we have already been charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. And if Peter, speaking of Christ, says the only and righteous one, that tells us something. Because there is no human being who can be described as that, the only and the righteous one. And it's very important that Christ offered himself freely. John 10 verse 17 to 18. I lay down my life on my own initiative and I have the authority to pick it back up. He offered his life freely as the last Adam. And I'm really grateful the text of scripture do not say second Adam but say last Adam. So that you know someone will not come at another time and claim something else. Um, but, but we do know that Christ came as the last adam and what it means it's a type of adam you know adam was created and he was created sinless it's created good he was created as a representative of human of the human race so was christ christ came as a representative of his people you know 
when the angel speaking to Mary says, and he, he will save his people from their sins. So he came as the last Adam. We, we see that recorded in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45. And he represented his people. John 10 verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he did this for us while we were sinners. Romans 5, 6 to 8. For while we were yet helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. And, and the passage goes on to you know say that you know it would be difficult for someone to even die for a righteous man but maybe even a good man someone might try to die for him right by the way you know there is no righteous there is none good um but i said ah, it would be difficult to die for such people but yeah maybe someone might eventually die for them but god demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we are yet sinners christ died for us and he did this out of his love in this love first john 4 verse 10 in this love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He did this on the cross of Calvary. He bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. That is First Peter 2 verse 24. He died on the cross of Calvary representing his people out of his love for them even while they were sinners he died for their sins in his passive obedience he off he suffered for the sins of his people when he cried father if you are really removed this cup from me yet not my will but yours be done not that god and jesus had conflicting wills but christ knowing what is going to be done on the cross the wrath of god going to be poured on him in its fullest extent knowing the anguish of that and because he is fully man what else do you expect him to cry out at that time knowing the the suffering is going to go through for those three hours on the cross he cried lord if you are willing let this call pass but not my will but yours be done so christ in his passive obedience he humbled himself even unto the point of death he has power over death because he is god but he humbled himself even unto the point of death even death on the cross philippians 2 verse 8 as he suffered for the sins of his sheep first john 3 verse 5 you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there was no sin it is very important to remember in him there was no sin but he suffered for the sins of his sheep which is imputation and we'll get to that it took their punishment hebrews 9 verse 22 and according to the law one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness when you read hebrews talking about the, the systems of the old covenant why it was necessary even though there were things that were looking forward to christ and that's why we no longer do them but without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin and so christ did have to die the blood of bulls of lambs could not could not be sufficient sinful men serving as high priests before god will die and they could not keep representing the people the fact that you know they had to keep coming to the temple every year for the forgiveness of their sins was a constant reminder of what but christ has done this he has done this once and for all once and for all he has satisfied the wrath of god on our behalf Hebrews 2 verse 17, Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for our sins. He satisfied the wrath of God on the cross on behalf of his people. He fully took their sins once and for all. John 19 verse 30, When Jesus said, It is finished, what does that really mean? Because I do believe there are many professing Christians who do not get that. 
He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. The work has been done. Christ paid the work once and for all. He satisfied God's wrath completely. Hebrews 10 verse 10 and verse 14. By this, by this will, the will of God, we have been satisfied through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. His people who are sanctified, we'll get into what sanctification is, separated unto himself, his holy people. You know, that's why believers can be called saints, God's holy people, God's chosen people, the elect people of God. He satisfied God's wrath on their behalf once and for all, and he gave them life. He not only took their sins, but he gave them life. John 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Romans 8, 9 to 11, saying that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead also dwells in you who raised Jesus Christ from the dead and he has given life to your mortal bodies. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten soul that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. All the believing ones, all those who believe in Christ, have everlasting life. He came to give us life even in his satisfying the wrath of God, taking on our sins, satisfying the wrath of God. Then he gave us life, eternal life. He did this by imputing his righteousness in us. Second Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be seen on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is double imputation as our sins were imputed to him. His righteousness was imputed to us, giving us life. So on the cross, Christ took the sins of his people, all those who believe in him. And then still because of the work of the cross, his righteousness. Remember, he was without sin, sinless, the only unrighteous one. His righteousness was credited to our account so that our sins would no longer be remembered. And, and this is the old promise of the new covenant, right? Drawing from Jeremiah 31 in Hebrews, the writer says, And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws upon their heart and on their minds I will write them. And then he says, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. They are completely forgiven now. Where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer an offering for sin. And when you understand that Christ paid the price on the cross, once and for all, he said it is finished. The sins of God's people are no longer remembered. Romans 4 verse 6 to 8, speaking of the blessed man. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven, whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Why? Because it has been paid for in Christ. Psalm 31 verse 1 to 2. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man whom the Lord Yahweh does not impute iniquity. Because why? Your sins have been imputed on Christ. They've been given to Christ. They've been born by him. It has been satisfied. It has been paid for. The penalty has been paid. The fine has been paid. There is nothing more to be paid. Your sins have been credited to his account. And now your righteousness, and he has satisfied the wrath of God completely. And now the righteousness of God is credited onto our accounts. W imputation. That is the doctrine of double imputation. And now when it comes to the gospel, the resurrection is very important. 
He rose from the grave, and we know this. First Corinthians 15, when Paul is making a defense and saying, you know, if if Christ if Christ is not raised from the dead, then, then what is the purpose of our preaching? That's why he says we are of all men most miserable. First Corinthians 15, 12 to 19. So it is important that Christ rose from the grave. And this is just as he said he would destroy this temple and I will raise it back up. John 2, 18, verse 22, 2, 17, 22 to 23. He instructed his disciples at different times, you know, making it clear to them, I have to go to Jerusalem so that um, I will be killed and I will rise up. And so he rose. And because of his resurrection, resurrection unto life for all believers is guaranteed. For all those who believe in his name. Colossians 2 verse 19 to 12. Let me read verse 12. Having been buried with him in his baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him in his death. So we identify with him in his death on the cross. Our flesh dies. Our flesh is nailed to the cross. Our sins are being taken care of. And when he rose, we rose with him. In his resurrection, we were buried with him in his baptism on the cross. And then also by faith, according to the working of God, we are also raised with him and we have life. And because of this, because of his resurrection, giving us life, we are free from condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have peace with God as well. Romans 5 verse 1 to 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it goes on. Because this peace with God does not mean it is a life free of tribulations. Because when you read Romans 1 verse 1 to 5, and it says, Therefore, we have obtained an introduction by the faith into the grace by which we stand. We exalt in the hope of the glory of God. And not only in this but we also exalt in our tribulations knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of god has been poured out within our hearts through the holy spirit who has given us who was given to us so yes we are free from condemnation we do have peace with god but this does not mean a life free of trials. This does not mean we have a life free of tribulations. We do live in a fallen world and things are messed up. Things are messed up. But the most important thing, if you believe in Christ, has been taken care of. You have peace with God. We have been adopted as sons. Galatians 4 verse 4 to 5. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth a son born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were born under the law, referring to his people, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And he gave us access to the Father. Galatians 4 6 to 7, Ephesians 2 17 to 18, Hebrews 4 14 to 16. We, we now have the confidence to cry, Abba, Father, because we are no longer slaves, but we are sons. He, he preached the gospel to those who were near the Jews, to those of us who were far away, the Gentiles, with the Gentiles. And he gave us, through the Spirit, access to the Father. Now, because we have a great high priest, Hebrews 4, we can hold fast to our confession. And trusting that because of this high priest, because of the work he has done, because it is finished, because it is once for all, he has sanctified us. Therefore, we know that we can draw to him with confidence. Verse 16, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. And another important thing that Christ's work did for us, justification. 
we are justified by God. We have been declared righteous. We've talked about, you know, imputing of righteousness. That is the doctrine of justification. That sinful men, before a righteous and holy God, are declared righteous before God. Their sins are no longer credited to them. God looks at them and he sees the work of his son. He sees what his son has done on their behalf. And he says, you are justified. You are declared righteous. Romans 5, 9 to 10. Much more, having now been justified by his blood, we have been saved from the wrath of God through him. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, we are saved by his life. That's why I said the resurrection is important. We are saved by his life and we have been justified before God and by God. This work of justification, it is on the basis of faith alone. On the basis of faith alone. And this faith is a gift. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. Referring to the grace. Referring to the faith. Referring to the salvation. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works. So that no man may boast. Philippians 3 verse 2 to 9. To emphasize that it is of faith alone. Paul is writing to the Philippians. And he's telling them. Although I might have some confidence in the flesh. You know I am from the nation of Israel, um, from the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew, an Hebrew of Hebrews, sorry, a Hebrew of Hebrews, you know, a Pharisee, he had zeal, you know, righteous according to the law, found blameless, even in his eyes, right? He says, verse 7, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of the knowledge of Christ, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as dung, so that I may gain Christ. Verse 9, and being found in him, not having a righteousness derived of my own, derived from the law. The righteousness by which we stand before God is not our righteousness. I've emphasized that. Because if you stand before God of your own righteousness, what is our state? You can't keep it fully until you will be deceiving yourself and you are still under the wrath of God. So when we stand before God, it's not on the righteousness of our own derived from the law, but that is which is true faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And so for the believer, when God sees us, he doesn't see our righteousness. He sees only what Christ has done. Because if it is Christ and what you have done, believe me, you fail. And that wipes up the... By the way, that is a slap and that's an insult to the work of Christ. To think that Christ's work needs the padding up of your righteousness. Christ's work is sufficient. As the scripture says, that he has done it once and for all. And that for all those he has done that, there is no need for forgiveness of sin. Why? Because their sins have been forgiven in him. So this justification by God is on the basis of the gift of faith and faith alone, not of works. Galatians 2, 15 to 16 and 21, Romans 3, 27 to 30. It is not of works. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. And so no one can boast. Romans 3, 27 to 30. What then is boasting? It is excluded. Because is it by, by law? Is it by the works of law? No, it is not. A man is justified by faith apart from the works of law. It is by our faith in Christ. Solely by our faith in Christ. That is faith alone, sola fide. 
the doctrine of justification is is the doctrine on which the church stands or it falls because it is about the good news of jesus christ and and it has to be by faith alone not of works so that it will be of grace romans 11 verse 6 but if it is by grace it is no longer on the basis of works otherwise grace is no longer grace for this reason it is by faith in order that it may be according to grace romans 4 16 it is solely by the grace of god and its salvation is all of god's work it is not what you do that is what the other religions will tell you right you know you do these things once you keep the certain rules once you do all of that you know you end your salvation before god and so you can boast of it because yeah you did something but salvation is all god's work so then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs romans 9 16 but on god who has mercy it is because of his mercy and it is because of his grace Romans 3 verses 21 to 26. I know people usually just pick verse 23, but really read that section. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption in Christ Jesus. It is it is all of God's work. God is the one doing the work. God is the one who declared the good news in the beginning. He is the one working out his plan of salvation in men, his predestined plan. Christ came, entered his creation willingly laid down his life by himself satisfied the wrath of god fully and now i'm closely approaching the end because this is now the application of that work that christ has done god's work of salvation god draws his people to himself he regenerates them he keeps them to the end and he sanctifies them god draws his people to himself john 6 44 he cannot be clearer no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and i'll raise him up on the last day those words cannot be clearer no one can come to me except the father draws him god is you see that salvation is all of god's work god is the one drawing people to himself salvation is god's from start to finish and the holy spirit regenerates them the holy spirit you know that's why i said salvation is trinitarian god came up with this plan to save his people his chosen people his elect christ came to die for those people willingly satisfying the wrath that they deserve before the righteous and the holy god paying their sins once and for all and now the holy spirit is regenerating those people and what i mean by the word regeneration is what is being alluded to in in john 3 verses 1 to 8 this is about nicodemus jesus is telling him before you can see the kingdom of god you must be born again how can a man when he is old be born again will he enter into his, his mother's womb a second time and then jesus says i say to you unless one is born of water and of spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god by the way that is not water baptism that is talking about the work of god's spirit the washing of our hearts it's it's drawing from the old testament god washing the hearts of his people with water which is cleansing them by the holy spirit it's the work of regeneration and so christ says yes um, unless one is born of water and of the spirit cannot enter the kingdom and then he says in verse 8 the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but do not know where it comes from and where it, it is going if you've read that before you're like i don't i don't understand where this is going but that verse finishes with so 
is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Spirit is regenerating people, right? But we don't know when that is happening. It is mysterious. It is the work of the Spirit. The wind blows where it blows. hear the sound of it. But you don't know where it's coming from. And so we do see the effect of the Spirit's work. When the gospel is preached in its truth and clarity and people come to saving knowledge of Christ and they profess Christ and God grants them faith and God grants them repentance, that is the work of the Spirit, but no one knows when it is being done. So God draws his people to himself. He regenerates them. And most importantly, because he is sovereign, he keeps them to the end. He is going to raise each and every one of them up on the last day. He can't lose any one of them. Philippians 1 verse 6. For I am confident of this very thing that he who began the good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Jude 1 24 to 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. Why will you be considered blameless? Because it is the righteousness of Christ that represents you. Ephesians 1 13 to 14. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who has been given as a pledge for an inheritance. So the Holy Spirit seals us. He's going to keep us to the end and he sanctifies us. It's very important. All those who are justified, all those who are declared righteous before God are sanctified. When I talk about this, I am talking about what is known as progressive sanctification, where God is doing an ongoing work in his people. Yes, we are saved, we are freed from the penalty of sin, and we are freed from the power of sin. However, there is still the presence of sin, and there is still that struggle of sin in our lives. And the Holy Spirit is doing the work and sanctifying us. He is conforming us to the image of Christ. Using the language of 2 Corinthians 3.18, with an unveiled face, building the mirror of the glory of God, being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. We are becoming more like God. Romans 8, 28-29 For God causes all things to work together for, for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Ephesians 2 verse 10 For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So God is working out His salvation in us and He is sanctifying us. That Yes, we are justified. But then it shows, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. It shows love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God is working out these things in us. The good works. It's not the good works that save us because we've seen it. It's not because of our works. But when we are saved, we are saved unto good works. So that's why we are still here on earth. God is doing this work of sanctification in us. And is also we are also left here on earth to do as he has commanded which is to take the gospel to all the nations also to obey his commandments john 14 15 if you love me you will keep my commandments luke 6 verse 46 why do you call me lord lord and do not what i say and so there is a tendency for some people to have heard when i spoke of god's free grace of how we are justified and our sins are not held on our account some people would hear that and think, wow, is he advocating people living in sin? But that is not it. That is absolutely not it. We are commanded to obey God's law. But those things are not the basis for our salvation. They are the fruit 
of our salvation and, and okay i'll talk about this in a few minutes but yes we are left here on earth to to obey god's word and to do as he has commanded us to take the gospel to all creation to make disciples to teach the nations to make disciples of the nations matthew 28 18 to 20 and because of god's great work because he's going to keep us to the end we have an assurance of this great salvation hebrews 10 19 to 22 we have an assurance and we can we can draw near with a sincere heart knowing that the work that christ has done is sufficient the wrath of god does not abide on us anymore but the wrath of god still abides on those who do not believe john 3 verse 36 he who believes in the son has eternal life but he who does not obey the son will not see life but the wrath of god abides in him for some people their wrath has been taken on by christ on the cross but those who will not believe, the wrath of God still abides on them. They are still going to pay for all of their sins. The punishment that Christ took on the cross, they are going to take it. And, and guess what? It's not going to be for three hours like on the cross. It's going to be for eternity. Because they are not God, who Christ is. It's going to be for eternity. They cannot fully satisfy the wrath of an eternal God. They have sinned against an eternally holy and righteous God. And the only fitting punishment is an eternal punishment for their sins. And they will justly receive judgment on the last day. Luke 6 verse 47, 49. Now, this is why I said I was going to talk about. There is something called legalism where, where people I have emphasized that it is not based on works. It is, but we are saved to good works. But some people have taken and twisted the gospel of salvation and said, you have to do this and this and this to be saved. You have to do this and this and this to maintain your salvation. Like I've emphasized throughout this episode, it is God's salvation. It is God's work. He is doing the work. He's working out his goodness and his good deeds and his kind intentions in us. Making us, equipping us to do good works. Predestining us to be conformed to the image of his son. It is God's work. And to say that people have to do certain things, which no man can do. To accomplish salvation is just wrong. It is called legalism. And it usually comes from a faulty understanding of what we would call law-gospel distinction. So yes, the law is there. The law of God, the perfect law of God has been given to us and we are meant to obey it. But the law showed us that we could not do that. Galatians 3 verse 24. The law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ. So that we might be justified by faith. Because the law exposed all our inadequacies. It really did. It showed us that we, we can't live perfectly before a holy and a righteous God. And, and that's, what, that's the purpose of the law. To expose this sinfulness, our sinful nature. And so when we see that... And that's why the law is important when we are presented the gospel to to show all people that you have sinned before a righteous and a holy God and and you are indeed a sinner but there is good news that good news is that if you do believe in Christ he has taken your the wrath of God and he has satisfied it and your sins are no longer credited and counted on your account so it is something we must avoid legalism and it's sad to say but this is what is especially in nigeria this is 
what many people think the gospel is. And when you hear statements like, ah, if after all my going to church, I don't make heaven. That's legalism. They are looking at it as, if after all these things I did, and I don't make it to heaven, there's something is wrong. Do you see how it's not Christ that is their focus? Now, some people will sugarcoat it and add Christ. You know, they will just sprinkle some Christ vibes on it. But honestly, they rely on themselves. Because they, they, they do believe it's up to them. With the Bible say, the Bible says, not of him that wills, of him that runs, but of God that shows mercy. It's not because of you. It's not because of your, your keeping of God's law. It's solely because of what Christ has done. That's why it's the gift of faith and faith alone. That's why it's of grace. And Christ has fulfilled the law on the behalf of all his people. You know, his active obedience. And most importantly, like I said, our sins were imputed to him. He took the curse upon himself. Cause is everyone who hangs on a tree. Galatians 3, 10 to 14. Christ has done the work. He has done the work. And, and it's because of legalism. You hear things like, ladies should not wear trousers in church or stuff like that. I mean, if you do not want to do some things, you can't do those things. But people have made those things criterias for heaven. And so you might meet people that will say, oh, so if you wear this, which is probably a very decent clothing, but because it doesn't agree with them, say, if you wear this, you can never make heaven. And that is just so wrong. Colossians 2, 20-30 If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not undo, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish which use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men? These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Now, I don't know if you followed, but the point of Paul writing that was, now there are some people telling you, don't do this, don't do that, for things that don't matter, things that will ultimately perish, right? And I'm not... I, I know I mentioned Jean, so I think I have to say I'm not advocating immodesty in dressing. All things that we do have to be done to the glory of God. And the Bible does admonish us to be modest. I just want to chip that in. But there are some people saying, do this, do that. Uh, doctrines and commandments of men, which will come from twisting of scripture or misappropriation of scripture. But there are some people saying, do this, do that. Again, remember that as believers, we had to, we had to keep the commandments of God. But there are some people really bringing out all these things. And Paul says, these things have an appearance of wisdom. They, they sound like they make sense. But it is self-made religion. It is the teachings of men. And they have no value against what really matters, against your fleshly indulgences. These things will not really help you to stop sinning. Oh, it's just like the Pharisees. Let me put this analogy. So let's say the commandment of God is do not leave this house. You are in the house and the commandment of God is do not leave this house. And in this house, there are many rooms. Then the Pharisees will come up and say, do not leave your room. In a bid to help you not to leave the house. You know, they add some stuff to it and they, they pad it up. And so it just becomes so bothersome. And, I, and like I said, that's the majority of what you hear in Nigerian churches. And it is honestly so burdensome. And when you get the gospel of Christ, it takes away all of that burden because it is light. 
Christ's yoke is light. We want to obey him. We obey him and, and it is a delight to us. But these things are a burden. And worst of all, they do not even help with the real issue. They do not help. They do not save you. I pray God will help us. But on the flip side of legalism is something called antinomianism. Which, when you preach the free grace of Jesus Christ, you might be accused of. And, and this is an hatred for the law of God. But that is not what I am saying. First John 5 verse 1 to 3. Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Yes, we do keep his commandments. They are not burdensome to us. That's why I had to emphasize the dangers of legalism. They are not burdensome to us. But this is not saying... Now, some people have heard this and said, Okay, now, then it doesn't matter what I do. That is anti-humanism. It's an hatred for the law of God. A neglecting of God's law. And it's like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. Christ has paid for me. The fact that you think that way is probably an evidence that Christ has not paid the price for you. Honestly, it's either you do not understand or you are just showing that Christ actually has not paid that price for you. And there is this tendency when we preach the gospel of the free grace of Christ that it is not anything you do. It is solely Christ's work. We do get this charge of anti-humanism thrown at us. And so I was talking with a friend and she said, so are you saying this? And I said, no, that's not what I am saying. Of course, we do love the commandments of God, but our obedience is not the reason why we are saved. It is Christ's work that is the reason why we are saved. Our obedience is a fruit and is a product of our salvation. We have to make that distinction clear. Um, even Paul knew that he would get this charge thrown at him. He finished talking in Romans 5, 18 to 21. Remember, this thing was not written in chapters. And so he says, so true one transgression resulted in condemnation of men, but through one's act of righteousness, there is justification of life to all men. Through one man's disobedience, we are made sinners. Through the obedience of one, we will be made, many will be made righteous. The law came so that transgression would increase, death reign, sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through the righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus. And then the next verse is, what shall we say then? Are we going to continue in sin so that grace may abound? And the answer is, may it never be. Absolutely not. God forbid. And it really talks about the newness of life in Christ. That we are free from sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. Romantics 1-7. to We are no longer slaves to sin. And since I know that, Preaching of the free grace of the gospel of Christ would provoke this charge of anti-humanism. Of you know, some people say, ah, probably. So I try and say people should not, you know, keep the commandments of God. That is not going to stop me from proclaiming the full counsel of God, because I do know that God will save His people. Yes, I know God will save His people. That is not an excuse for me to be careless in my speech or not to accurately and clearly present the gospel, but. God is going to save his people. And so I must proclaim the full counsel of God because I know that he will keep them. Hebrews 7, 23 to 25. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercessions for them. Now, you might want to ask, what about those who seemingly fall away? You know, those who in court lose their salvation. The biblical answer to that is that they were never saved. And I know some for some people that sounds like a shocker. How can you say they were active in church? They did all of this. Yeah, 
but they were never saved because first john 2 19 says they went out from us but they were not really of us for if they had been of us they would have remained how you know people who have been saved is that they abide and so if someone looks to be saved but then they leave the point is they were never saved but they went out so that it will be shown that they all are not of us second john 1 verse 9 this is talking about teaching though um, anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of christ does not have god but the one who abides in the teaching has both the father and the son why because god keeps his people this is a truth that gives us assurance this is a truth that gives us assurance of the great work that god has done god's great work of salvation I want to also note that there is still an ongoing struggle with sin. Yes, we have been justified in in life for believers. We are not we are not identified. You shouldn't be identified with a sinful lifestyle, but there would be struggles. I have my struggles daily fighting. Was it two nights ago? I was thinking about my sin, really reflecting about it, and it brought tears to my eyes. It grieves us. When we sin, that is a sign of God's work in us. He grieves us even though we still sin. He grieves us when we fall short of God's standards, when we when we sin. Lord, you have saved me. Um, I am about to speak to your people about the gospel. And I, I still find myself falling short in this area. Why? And, and it's not something that is pretty at all. But we do struggle with sin. We do struggle with sin. But with God's help, God is going to help us to, to continually kill sin, to keep killing sin and crucifying the flesh daily, daily. But we are not to be known by sinful lifestyles, but one of daily repentance. First John 1, verse 8 to 10. If you say you have no sin, you are a liar. But then it reaches First John 2, 1. It says, but I'm writing this thing so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, you have an advocate with the Father. And so we can draw near even when we sin and we fall short and ask God for mercy. Cry out for repentance. Romans 7 verse 14 to 25 really just shows the struggle of a believer wrestling with sin. I do the things I I don't want to do. The things I want to do, I do not do them. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing them. And because of this, the believer longs for glorification. Oh, the beautiful doctrine of glorification. Romans 8, 29-30. Glorification is when we'll be united with Christ, um, giving bodies that cannot be corrupted, bodies that cannot sin. There will be a final removal of sin from our lives. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he will be the firstborn among brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. And so we have that assurance, and we can have assurance that if we have truly been justified by God, we would one day be glorified. We would one day be glorified. 1 John 3 verse 1 to 3. For this reason we are called children of God. Behold, we are children of God and it has not appeared as we will be. We are looking forward to that day. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure.
we must be aware i i, I just pointed out legalism and anti-humanism there, there are so many people who distort the gospel I, I made a pass at the prosperity gospel when i talked about christ's work bringing peace with god and not necessarily life free of tribulations and some people have perverted the gospel to say what that means is everything is going to be rosy for you you are going to have your best life now and it has been commonly said that if you have your best life now your eternal destination is hellfire because our best life is not now for the believer it is with god in eternity we must really be aware of people who twist the gospel in any form, either by addition, subtraction, or distortion. This is why, because there is really strong language used in the Bible against these people. Galatians 1.6-9 Paul speaking to the Galatians who have been influenced by some people known as the Judaizers. And he says, I am amazed that you are quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of God, Christ, for a different gospel, which is really not another only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Okay, what, what that is saying, in case I didn't read it properly, is that some people are bringing a different gospel to you. But honestly, it's not It's not really a different gospel. It's Because it's not gospel. It's not good news, right? And they are distorting the gospel of Christ. Because there is only one true good news. Paul says, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached... All that has been emphasized in this episode it is to be our cause. And we have said before, so I say again now, and, and if you read the gospel accounts, you see truly, truly, verily, verily. And that's the Jews' way of emphasizing something when they say it twice. And so Paul has said it is to be our cause. And then he says it again. If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, it is to be our cause, it is to be anathema. There is great judgment on all those who pervert the gospel. And that's why we do not toy with the gospel. It is not ours to, to play with. It is not ours to tamper with. Second John 1, 10-11 If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him in your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Do we see how, how strong language is used to people who pervert the gospel of God? Very strong. Do not associate with them. And it's funny, okay, not funny, but it's surprising these days that if you call people out for false teaching, trying to tell people, stay away from these people, stay away from these people, people take offense at you. Why are you saying that? You are being unloving. Extend grace. Are you the one that called him? No, but I can see <laughs> that what this person is teaching is clearly against the gospel of Christ is clearly against things that are revealed in scripture. This person is distorting the gospel of God, distorting the words of God. And I'm not supposed to associate with him. There is really strong language used against these people. Because no one tampers with the gospel. No one. Absolutely no one tampers with the gospel. I'm coming to the close of this episode. I just want to say this. The gospel is not a mere profession of faith. It is a possession of faith. A true possession of faith. Because that's why we are conflicted when we see people who are in church who said, who profess faith. But then we see that eventually they fall away. Some of them are no longer believe in God or convert to false religions or Christian cults. Christian in quotes. Those things, they really trouble our hearts. But it is not a profession of faith that saves anybody. It is the possession of faith. And only God really knows that. But like I said and I emphasized before, we can have assurance. We can have assurance in Christ. 
I have told you what the gospel is by the grace of God. And this is the thing. Everyone is commanded to repent and believe. Commanded to repent, to turn to God, to turn away from your sins and believe. Believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just Acts 17, 30 to 31. God has fixed a day where he's going to judge all men. And I'm declaring to everyone, this is the gospel of Christ. If you do not believe that the wrath of God abides in you, but there is good news. Christ died for sinners. He died for sinners. I am a sinner and I, and I should take that with gladness and run to the feet of Christ because he is the only way. He is the only way. Getting to the conclusion, I'm going to read from the 51st Psalm and the 103rd Psalm. So Psalm 51. And I want you to just reflect on these words. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and on the hidden parts you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with ice up, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin, and blot out my iniquities. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 14. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He who pardons all your iniquities, he who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord Yahweh performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord Yahweh is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has dwelt with us. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as this is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame, he is mindful that we are but dust. This is the confession, the genuine confession of a believer who recognizes his sin and sees the graciousness of God in salvation. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. So I would love to wrap up um, all my episodes by reading something from a creed, a catechism, a confession, or hymnal. Creed is like a summary of faith. Catechisms are like questions and answers on doctrine. Um, confessions are like doctrinal statements of some people coming together and like this is this is what we believe and put all of that down. So I would pick a creed could be the Apostles' Creed, Nicene's Creed, Athanasian Creed. I will pick a catechism, read something from a catechism, read something from a confession. could be the Westminster Confession of Faith, 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, or a plain old hymn, rich hymns. I'm keeping my options open. 
But yes, and after that, at the end of every episode, I will read a benediction from scripture. So for the hymn, I would be reading, my hope is built on nothing less. I wouldn't be singing it, (laughs) I would be reading it. I'm just going to read the first stanza, the chorus, and the last stanza. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in him be found, Dressed in his righteousness alone, Faultless to stand before the throne. The benediction. Reading from Hebrews 13 verses 20 to 21. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even our Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, Look, we made it to the end of the episode. Congratulations. I genuinely want to believe you listened to the end of the episode though. Hope you didn't take a shortcut to hear this pre-recorded audio. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of the Jesus Speakers Podcast. I really appreciate you sticking to the end. I really hope that the episode was a blessing and I pray that you continue to grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Make sure to check out other episodes on the podcast as they are released and sure you can share with as many people as possible. You can find out what listening platforms the podcast is on when you visit linktree slash Jesus Speakers. That is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Jesus Speakers. On the same webpage, you will find links to the social media accounts, pages, channel or group on Instagram, Telegram, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. A Google form is also available just in case you want to send in your thoughts about an episode or multiple episodes. Don't forget to sign up for email updates if you've not done that already. For feedback and inquiries, you can always send an email to jesusspeakers1 at gmail.com jesusspeakers1 at gmail.com no spaces, or send a DM on any of the social media platforms. Once again, thank you for listening to the Jesus Speakers podcast. God bless you.